from thereabouts, this is Ramble, hosted by myself, Angus, and my little bro, Lockie. Now, before we get fired up, this is our first members-only episode. And so, I wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for supporting us, for becoming members, and for standing by as we develop our slate of content and figure out how we roll everything out, essentially. On that, we have a new episode of Scapes, the mix series by Taylor Finney, dropping later in the week. And if you missed it, an incredible episode of Outspoken came out last week from Abby. Please get your ears around that. All right, let's get on with it. Welcome to Ramble, episode four. What's happening, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm back home in Boulder. Um, just got off the plane last night, got home at midnight and, um, yeah, I'm back. It feels like it's been ages actually. It hasn't really been that long. I think it was January I left, but feels like a really long time. I mean, it's May, it's May already. Yeah, true. Yeah, I guess it was a pretty long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was funny. I went out for a ride this morning and like, I just dressed in like, the same stuff I was wearing last time I was here and like left home and it was so hot. (laughs) Like full, full winter kid on it. I was just like, ah, it's like, it's like warmer than it was in Spain. (laughs) Um, It's still that weird time of the year though, where there's plenty of snow up high and you can still get the cold, snowy kind of weather. Like you still get snow in May, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, like up high, there was still some snow around for sure, um, like a fair bit. But yeah, in town here, it feels like it's like a summer's afternoon. Um, it's nice. Just had the uh, – I went and finished a ride and then was like, all right, I'll go to the grocery store and like went to um, – whenever to Ideal, as you do, and just like was like, oh, yeah, getting all the things that you're like, oh, I normally like can't get this in Europe just like shopping away and then like went to the checkout and it's like 180 bucks i was just like whoa (laughs) jesus christ yep (laughs) definitely back in boulder (laughs) groceries are expensive here at the moment it is insane yeah and also it's just like it's like boulder right like you're just like okay i just go to safeway like (laughs) yeah but it's funny because like last week we were feeding um like 12 people, like three meals a day. Yeah. And to do like a big shop for 12 people for two days was costing like 150 euros, I think. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. And we were then like, Damn, that's not that expensive. It was like everyone was right, like all cyclists too. So like everyone was right. eating a lot. Um, but. And like you would come back with like bags of food and it was just like that, <laughs> that contrast. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Fucking, fucking boulder. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice though. It's nice when you're like. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is it, is it's all, it's it all perspective. Nice? It's all perspective. <laughs> exactly right. Tell me about who were you, who were you feeding and where were you guys as well, actually, when you Last were week. feeding this 12 people? Yeah. Um, yeah, we were out at um, 
the Artu Lake uh, Retreat, which is just outside of Boulder. I mean, Boulder, Girona. <laughs> Girona. The Catalan Boulder. Um, I, yeah, and, and yeah, we, we had the place there. We had uh, six riders from the Armani team. Um, and then Brendan and Lydia from here in Boulder, a couple of friends of mine, Rach was there. Um, and then Connor, who was helping out with the Armani team, just like a big crew based around yeah. like having the Armani guys. They were racing the tracker last weekend in Girona. It's like a big, big gravel event. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we hosted them out there for like eight days, I think, before the race. Um, and where had they, like, have they, did they just come straight from from Africa? Yeah, um, so there was uh, two brothers, um, Katu and Waswa from um, Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth came in from Rwanda. And then uh, Jeff, Sule and John are all from Kenya. Um, so they would all come in like some of them together but kind of separately and then um, all meet they all met in uh, Amsterdam and then flew down to to Girona. Um, was it fun? How how they? It like, was great, yeah, mate. Was it was it really good. Yeah, it was, it was super um, productive week. Like I've never been more busy in my life. <laughs> like just like was, organizing, like organizing the all the training all rides, um, right. keeping everyone fed. Like luckily, um, Rachel was like amazing and um kept ever like kept us all fed because man we were going through some food it's crazy <laughs> when you start feeding that many people and just like yeah like getting all the logistics ready for the race um training every day just like it was just a lot right and it was right. just kind of rage and i and connor so i i really enjoyed it um and but for me, like the easiest day of the week was doing – I did the 360K race on Saturday and that was by far the easiest day of the week for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was super cool because like the idea was um, like a lot of the times that um, the, like the team gets opportunities to do different races um, – they come in and and the the preparation and, this is team and the Armani. days team Armani, yeah in in like leading up to the race is less than ideal right um, because it's like new country trying to find training roads like sometimes this guy's coming in super late um, because of visa issues or whatever so a lot of the time um, I think like it's hard for them to get out the performance that they um, are capable of uh, so. My idea was to like bring them in um, like in a really nice, comfortable environment and then organize all the training and just have everything be as smooth as possible so that they could basically just focus on the race and yeah, put out the performance that um, that they could. So and also like we did like a, a bit of um, just like basic like – educational stuff around racing and training and nutrition 
Um, but sort of kept that, not to a minimum, just kept it like I didn't want to like turn the week into like a super busy <laughs> thing and, and then kind of like defeat the purpose, you know. Um, so we kept it like very much as as like, I basically modeled it off how you would spend like the week before a grand tour kind of thing. Um, right. Where like everything's taken care of, you can relax, um, plenty of time in the afternoon to like call home and and just get get ready basically mentally, physically, mechanically. Um, and it all worked out really well. Um, How, how'd they go? Which, what, did they do the same race you did? What race? Yeah, yeah. there was uh, Jeff and John did the 360 and then um, the other four uh, did the 200 on Sunday. Um, and 360 yeah, is I think a like, long way. Yeah, it's a long old race. That's um, like Port to Sydney. Yeah. A little bit less. And off-road. Um, but no, everyone everyone had a good race. Like there were a couple of the guys were unlucky, um, like a few mechanical issues or whatever, just stuff that happens in, in a gravel race. Um, but uh, for the most part, everyone had a great race. Like when you consider um, the experience level um, and – just like jumping into an event like that, they all performed like super well. Uh, and more importantly, like you could tell it certainly like lit the fire for um, migration and evolution, kind of getting a feel for like the level of competition and then learning a few lessons that they could take forward into the next like block of racing, you know, or even to come yeah. back and do that race again, you know, um, would be night and day again uh so yeah it went really well um sule was unlucky in the 200 um he was like in contention for the win and just like uh messed up the sprint a bit and ended up fourth or fifth i think um but like a really great race so he's there yeah yeah um so no it was uh it was a great week really great week How'd you go? You broke your seat or something. <laughs> yeah, I was second. Um, <laughs> what, ha- what happened? I, I mean, I, I was having a great race, to be honest. Like, um, it was a bit of an afterthought to do the race. And then um, I was kind of scrambling like the day before. I just had this realization of like, I haven't done anything to prepare. <laughs> you know, like I've been busy getting everyone ready and then I was like I haven't done a single thing so I was like getting all my spares together changing tires getting race nutrition all that um and then jumped into the race and I was like I actually feel pretty good uh and got away with uh Mattia Demarki like 100k's in um and then it was just the two of us like like swapping off <laughs> um, right until how many k yeah so how yeah we were like in? 80 no 90 k's in or 100 k's in around there jesus um <clears throat> she just had like 260 and, yeah and we were both kind of like 
pushing and like <laughs> testing each other a bit um, because like we've been wanting to race each other for a while. And, who is who um, is this Demarki bloke? Uh, Matthias Demarki, he's um, an Italian guy who races with the Enough like cycling collective. Um, he won Badlands last year uh, and has won like a whole bunch of European gravel races. So he's kind of like the the guy there at the moment. Um, yeah. And he's the, I get he's along the with him really well. He's the gravel god <laughs> yeah. of Europe. Um, he actually comes from a <laughs> road background as well. Uh, yeah, right. He's not the Demarki. There's like a pro Demarki that used to run BMC. Cousin. Oh, okay. His cousin. Um, right. But yeah, I get on with him super well. I met him in nice. uh, Italy at the end of last year and like we drank a few Negronis together and like chatted about Badlands. It was sweet. The Negroni um, haze. <laughs> yeah, the Negroni haze. Um, so yeah, we were like looking forward to racing each other and we got away together and then it was just this like funny chop off. Um, and like my, I hadn't put enough time into preparing my bike, if I'm honest. Um, because like my lever slipped down and like the, <laughs> I put the bags on my bike wrong so they were just rubbing on the back wheel all the time and like it was just like it, it was one of those things that I was like man I spent this whole week like preparing kind of, like yeah well just like dedicated to the going race. through everything with the guys to be like hey we've got this sorted let's get this and like kind of like um, just like harping on about the importance of preparing well um yeah and in, in like doing that neglected to prepare it all myself <laughs> but do as i say not as i do yeah anyway i got like i actually started to feel super good like i was getting better as the day went and then we were like 280ks in um <laughs> yeah. and we hit this like the last big climb and it was kind of like all right let's like let's race and um we started like we were both pushing and there was just this funny thing. We ended up just like side by side kind of just like <laughs> drag racing, drag racing. Um, I like, I think, I think we were both very evenly matched. Like I think we would have had a hard time getting rid of each other if I'm honest. Um, and yeah, then like halfway up the climb, I just like heard this pop and my seat just like, the nose just went all the way down and I was like, Oh no, what's this stopped. And then I'd cra I'd cracked the post, um, which again, I think was my fault for over talking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and anyway, I was like, what am I going to do here? Uh, and then kind of looked at it and then it's like, I was like, I need to get to the next um, aid station, which was like 10 Ks away. And then I had nowhere to put the seat. So I like had the seat in my mouth and was like trying you to You seat in the mouth? Yeah. Because, and you just like, had like raw dog post. Raw dog posting up, up the hill. <laughs> Did anyone get a photo of like, that? I don't know. But I was, Damn, I was going up. That's hilarious. And <laughs> it was like... It was hell. Um, and I was like, could I ride like this to the end? And I was like, I can't. There's no way. So in the end, I had to stop and do this like bodge with zip ties. And in doing that, like it, the seat was like comically low. 
Like, <laughs> it was so low. It was just possible to ride. And, and I was like, oh, man, like, in my head I was like, it's still 80Ks to go. This is like a long way. Uh, and I was like, I don't really want to do this. Like, what if I just like destroy my knees or like there's a lot of things I could do. And then um, I'd kind of like, well, actually Dave Miller had come around during the week to chat with the guys um, and like, I don't know if he realized, I mean, he gave this really good um, like talk on like how much, how much you need perseverance in cycling and this idea of like getting your ass kicked and then like turning up again the next day, like fresh mind and be like, all right. Yeah. Because we all know that like cycling requires a good deal of that and like the importance of always fighting to the finish line. And I don't know, it was like this thing. I was like, God damn it, Dave. He's like (laughs) echoing in the back of my head. You've inspired me. Yeah, exactly. You've inspired me, Dave. You inspired me to finish. Um, And then I was going so slowly, man, because like I was just standing and then like when I would sit down, I could barely pedal. So it was just kind of like sit down to like rest the quads for a while. <laughs> and then it got like, it was just the, and then I kept going the wrong way because like I couldn't properly see the Wahoo when I was standing. And then um, I was like, where? I've got to be caught soon. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I've got to be caught soon. They can't be that far back. And anyway, I'd never got caught. Um, like the last hill. So you got second. Yeah. The last hill, my quads were so, so destroyed. It was not a big, like it was kind of steep, but not like, not, you shouldn't have been walking. And I was like, I have to walk. You just walked up walk it. up this hill. Just walked up it. Dude, like, I've never seen you walk up a hill. Yeah. I just walked up like totally... It's like, this is what I have to do. Like, my, oh my, my God. legs couldn't support the body weight anymore. <laughs> and, and then, <laughs> because the seat was so low, I could just, I could just shred the downhills. <laughs> oh, right. Because you're super low to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was That's like sick. recklessly descending. And then it, it was super muddy under this, like, <laughs> under this, under this bridge. And I came down. And like just like no one around, you know, in the woods. It just had this huge wipeout. <laughs> like the bike just slid out in the mud. It got like covered in mud. And I was just like, yep, of course. Like stood back up, got on, and then got to the finish. Um so yeah, that was that was my day. Um I enjoyed it a lot though. Like the event is is really cool. And like the course is is super cool. And is it, it like a lot thinking of s- about yeah, it's like it, it. It's really like I just find the the European well, like the European gravel races I've done uh, compared to the US ones. They're so much more mixed and like there's you know there was like a ten k like single track section, right? Which was like properly mountain. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, um, and then some like open flattened sections, like and some road bits. Like it was just really three hundred and sixty k's goes past really quick and you need like a bunch of different skills to like make to it like completely. That's cool. Um, I mean, to be fair, 360 Ks, you would expect there would 
they would have to have at least 10 kilometers of single track because there'd be no other. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, no in one other, go, like, though. There was just like one big ride. section. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, nice. So, no, really, really cool event. Like, would love to go back and um, give my sea uh, post a little less talk. <laughs> make it around how many people line up on the start line for like how many people were on the start doing the 360 there's 200 people dude that's it just blows my mind yeah um it doesn't surprise like, me but it still blows my mind yeah like i came back my plan was i was going to race the 200 the next day as well um what to help the guys out so I, I couldn't because my bike was still broken. Um, but I came back that next morning and there's still people finishing from the the 360. Um, oh, they just, they then, just stayed out there. Yeah. And then the 200, there was, I think, another 300 people. And then there was a 100 that had 200 people. Like it was just awesome. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I, I it, like enjoyed the weekend and the the class mark of the people who put it on. It's the same group who did like do a lot of events there, um, and they just do such a good job. So I would definitely chuck that one on the list if you're looking for like a big big gravel day out. Um, and even that route to tour it would be sweet. Like to do that that three sixty loop in two days would be like um, like a really that would still be massive. Still be massive um, and like a really nice way to like see that area. Nice, man. Nice. And what brought you, what brings you back, back to the US? Uh, what are you doing back now? Back to the US. Uh, I've got like um, 10 days at home and then uh, we, we're going to Colombia. We are. Um, to go spend some time with World Bicycle Relief down there, which I'm super excited about. We've got like three days down there, um, which is going to be super cool. Uh, and then I go down and do La Ruta and then back here for Unbound. So, yeah, the the initial plan was as I was coming back to just like stay and get ready for Unbound. Um, but then these upper, other opportunities came up. Um, that I think it's just going to be too much fun. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. That's why I'm back. What's La Ruta? How come it just gets to have the name La Ruta? Like, why doesn't it have? Oh, there is a longer name. It's like La Ruta. Oh, there is something right. Conquistador. I was like, how that. does it get to have that? I should know. I should know. Um, but everyone, it's not like within mountain biking, everyone just knows it as La Ruta, and it's a pretty like, it's a pretty um famous like three-day race in costa rica where you go from one side of the country to the other um and like a lot of races it's touted as the hardest race in the world um i think like there's so many difficult races out there now that um you know it's pretty impossible to say what's the hardest race in the world but this was widely believed at one point to be the hardest mountain bike race in the world and the stages are like between 100 and 120 or 30K. And some of them are close to like 5,000 meters. <laughs> and like, I think it's what? like lots of mud Five and jungle Ugh. to deal with. Yeah. So like, 
Um, Lots of. Uh, it's going to be super fun. Well, you're down near the equator. Lot of, lots of equatorial bacteria down there. <laughs> yeah, keep your shamans. Get some clean. sort of. <laughs> few you know, fungal infections that you could catch right? on that stage. That's what <laughs> I think of like jungle racing. I just remember this this dude told me, Jason Black, he's like a mountaineer, and he told me this story about how he was like doing a race like in that, uh, it might have been in like Fiji or Papua New Guinea actually, and he like scratched his leg and like it got infected with some like flesh eating and then he like died He like and then came back and they had to revive him and like fly him to New Zealand from from wherever, he, like it must have been Fiji, I think it must have been PNG. And they flew him to New Zealand. Um, anyway, so whenever I think of like jungle races, I just think of people getting like some crazy like psycho life-threatening bacteria. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Um, right. So, Columbia World Bike Relief. Like, what we're delivering? We are delivering the bikes that you bought. Not you bought you raised the money for from last year's tour. And like, what's it look like? I honestly don't really, I mean, I know a little bit now having had conversations just recently about like what the process looks like, but can yeah, you Yeah, I mean, we're going to go down um, to the, the factory where they like put all the bikes together. Um, and this is the bikes for Columbia specifically. Um, so we're going to go down there, check out the um, like that how what the production kind of looks like um, because they also like employ um, disadvantaged people in in that process uh, and give them skills um, and also teach them how to repair the bikes because that's obviously um, a big part of of making it like a sustainable project uh, and then we're going to go to I think three different um, bike handouts at different schools uh, in different parts of Colombia. Um, so the the trip itself is going to be pretty hectic, three days. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to um, kind of seeing the the end result of like what that that money raised looks like, um, because I think it's important, right? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to see, particularly yeah. too, like as you said, the the kind of whole process, like of of the mechanics, uh, both in the factory and then or in the sort of distribution center, and then out in the field as well as obviously the people who get these bikes. Because I know, like something that you and I learned when we were well, through Kenny, essentially, like down at. Um, through Kenneth Kariah, who you did the... Um, yeah, Cape Epic. Cape Epic with. About just the idea of of where like where help is most beneficial and, yeah. and how he sort of like his approach to or the way he sees cycling and it was taught to see cycling was a lot different than us in the sense of he was able to turn... But he, well, he, you know, was always like economically speaking and was always taught um, uh, to like, you know... As a skill. Yeah, it turned it into like a, a livelihood essentially. Just like exactly. bikes be, beyond r- racing them. Right. Um, and it's almost like it feels like that's equally the amount of 
power, or the amount of um, good that a program like WR, WBR does. Um, yeah, exactly. It, like, it benefits like a community, not just purely an individual who gets a bike. Yeah, and it cr- right? creates, exactly, like, creates like an That's industry, a big part right? of it, but it does a lot beyond that. Um, because, I mean, yeah, like there's, it creates like jobs and work and skills around, you know, the production of the bikes, the maintenance of the bikes, um, but also like one bike in a household can have a big difference, right? Um, yeah. Because maybe that allows uh, that one member to be able to go and uh, study and maybe better off their job opportunities which will in turn help a household or enable someone to cut down their time it takes to go and study or get water or get food or like which then allows them to be around more to contribute more to their household so it's kind of like it has a broader effect than purely what that one individual can do with with the bike um so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that um, in action and also helping to kind of like create that link between everyone who donated and then um, what that outcome was um, because at the end of the day it was so many different people who helped raise that money on, on that right I did um, and everyone else should be just as much a part of it as I should so... Um, yeah, we're going to try and capture a bit of that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the idea, I guess, behind the trip. Um, so I can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. So speaking of, well, speaking of Columbia, weirdly just reminded me of like the trip that we did down there, but then also Lael Wilcox. Uh, and she did a trip down there, but just recently, and this is something I wanted to ask you about, which just popped into my, which just popped into my head was Lael's FKT on the Arizona trail that just occurred. I am interested to hear if you have an opinion on that at all. Cause it has been what a, a mess. fucking mess. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I actually caught up with Lael. She was in Girona oh, yeah? last week. Nice. Very briefly. Um, because I had all the guys and they were like, we were halfway around a training ride. And um, so we got to catch up like briefly, but um, yeah, as I mean, she, she has the fastest time, you know, like, and in my experience, um, I like, I've done rides with a film crew and without, and um, it, for me, like any time I've had a, f- uh, a film crew like capturing stuff, um, it's it's been like a distraction from what I was doing. Um, and like I don't think – I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, and like I can think of – there was one night on the GB Duro I stopped to – sleep because I was worried that like this crew was trying to follow me all night right and they weren't they had no idea when they came that that's what they'd signed up for um and so I just stopped at one point because I was like worried for them right 
Um, right, right. Or you would see them. So it's, a, it, it's another thing on your mind that you're... Yeah, and you know they've been chasing about. you around like in and out of single track, whatever, all day trying to get to you at one point. And then when you finally see them, the last thing you want to do is stop and like and you say feel like hi, you need but to. you're like, I probably should. Right. Um, and then I did like at Badlands, we had a crew, but they weren't allowed to like interact with me at all. And they had to have someone from the organization to ensure that happened uh, because there was another racer who was uh, worried about it, which I, I respect, whatever. Um, and that was way better, <laughs> you know, because like I had the excuse to be like, oh, I can't talk to you. I'm just going to keep trucking, you know. Um, and I mean, it's such a funny like, I, I just, it's a shame because like that's what the story came about, became about. Like right. the fact is it's like when you look at the ride she did, it's fucking incredible. Right. You know, and... I just think that like you look at everything she's doing for the sport, like inspiring people through these rides she does. I mean, the reason I got into ultras is purely through her. And yeah, right. it's because like there's content around the way that she's that doing it. she does it. it and you can see it, exactly. And so, man, like... Even just like that footage of her before before she went into the Grand Canyon and she's eating the... She's got like a tub of ice cream and she's eating it with uh, yeah. a, a toothbrush. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a story that would just be untold. She'd probably forget. Maybe she didn't realize she was doing it. But like I think like... Right. And there's something so disarming about that. Yeah. Like seeing this And I mean of, I can understand yeah. like the... I can I can sort of understand the group of people who are trying to preserve what exists. Um, I think there's a group of like purists who like they just want it to be exactly as it has been and as like a, a niche um, which like they can still go out and do that that way. You know, um, it shouldn't affect that. Um, I think the people with the loudest voice on it are people who are like hiding hiding behind their fear of competition under the banner of like preservation. And I think that's when you have a problem Um, because at the end of the day it's like it's it's good for the sport. It's bringing more people into the sport. And if you like are so caught up with trying to own it that you don't want other people involved, um, then I think you've got to have a good look at yourself. Yeah, um, well, you're doing the exact same thing that you are arguing yeah. against. And to me, it just like, it makes it like a bit exhausting to where you're like, well why would you even bother with it, you know? Like, not why would you bother with it because, like, the whole FKT thing, like, everyone I've done has has never been to be, like, I'm better than anyone. It's just to try and, like, progress it in a small way, right? Right. Um, And, like, a lot of the time, like, it just legitimizes 
the the people who've who've already Beforehand. done or have been exactly. doing exactly. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of like where I'm at with it. Um, like I have ideas in my head of like how I think I'm going to try and express that. Um, yeah. At a different as an point. athlete. As an athlete, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll just keep those to myself until I go do them. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, to me, it's just like a bad look for that community, which, like, I don't think it's, like, an accurate representation of what that community is about even. Um, so... I don't know. It's it's a hard one, but in my eyes, like, yes, by far, it's the legitimate record. If I went to try and beat yeah. that record, like... That's the, the record. Camera crew or not, like, that's the time, The right? time, yeah. Um, because I also think that, like, if you look at Lael as a person and as an athlete, she's going to go just as fast no matter what. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, for sure. <laughs> she's... She's like Cut from tougher a than anyone. Different cloth. Yeah, exactly. Like exceptional athlete. To think she's benefiting from seeing um, like people she knows out there, like I don't know. You know, for me in the old tour, the hardest bit of the thing was seeing Rachel because it's like it takes you out of it, right? It like to represents a, the end of the thing. To like, a dangerous oh, that's the point. thing I really want. Yeah. Yeah, like I knew the day before Rachel was going to be in Andorra and um, there was like a part of me that was almost like uh, worried about it, you know. And when I finally saw her and sat down and it was like, you know, there, I, I didn't have – like after 15 minutes I was like, i got to go. You know, like, because this is, like, it's awesome, but, like, it's hard. This is harder for me. Um, and then you spend, like, the next half day trying to get back out of that and get your head into what you're doing and, like, like so that's my experience with it. It could be different for different people. Um, I think, like... I feel like you're the most the one, comparable person yeah, I think to the speak one, on this. But the one, like... Thing I can relate to, not even relate to, but like I can see an issue where there's this um, mentality of like purely chasing a route for an FKT. Yeah. Which I think if you're doing that, you're missing the point because there's like, there's been people who've started to attempt a record on certain trails and then they realize they're not going to beat the record and they stop. Right, because like they right. were only in it for that experience. Where like when I did Colorado Trail, like I knew the record was at the window after the first time I stopped and did like a massive sleep, right? Because I was like, this trail has kicked my ass. And like I knew that. And like so then it was not to do with the record, but you're still like I'm still out here to have this Honoring experience, trial, yeah. right? And I think like you should be out there trying to have an experience, not get a record. Um, so as long as I think that's part of what you're doing, then um, 
don't really care. <laughs> yeah, you know? and so, like that gets to I think like the big, the largest point here. Like, and essentially, like what's happened with Lale, like there's an in, an inevitability about the fact that the sport's growing. There's more media attention, so more people with film crews will be doing these sort of things. My issue with the way that this was handled was that there was no acknowledgement by the race organization that there is a need to reassess the rules. Even if the rules stay the same, there needs to be an, an independent look just by virtue of the fact that the sport is changing. And so there needs to be someone like transparently go, okay, these rules are in place. Are they genuinely serving the greater good of, of the purpose of the event? So I think like that needs to happen because there is – we're at the, we're at this point right where the sport is you know like as you said right there's the traditionalists so the the sport is inevitably changed by a presence of media it's inevitably changed by more people doing it it's inevitably changed by anything a warming climate whatever you want to say like it's it's changing so i think the idea of trying to foster the the same like try and foster like the history of the sport is a weak argument. I understand like that, that this sport's unique in the sense that that self-supported nature of it is fundamental to uh, the skill set that's required to do it. I just think that there needs to be uh, – an acknowledgement that, okay, if you want the sport to stay like that, you're excluding a whole population from being exposed to it. So it becomes like this muddy thing, which I think inevitably comes down to this point that you just <laughs> ultimately comes down to the point that you just made, which is about what role does competition, what role does an FKT play in this whole scenario of going out and riding in riding trails and and experiencing these things because i think if you were to remove that from it this all of this whole argument goes away and i'm not saying you do but it's an interesting like you we we just arrived at that point in from two separate directions right this idea that as more people get involved in this sport more people are going to be competitive just proportion of the population. And so like, you know, it becomes this idea of what's that impact going? I think what's the impact of increasing competition going to have on on this sport uh, and culturally uh, and, then, and then also just like um, in terms of, of, of the community. Yeah, I, it's a shame. The, the one thing that's a shame is that like, that Lael has to bear the brunt of it, like the growing pains of it. Um, and then right? it's like she shouldn't have to feel bad about that, right? And then- For sure. And it becomes a conversation that's like uh, focused on her when it's, it's a much larger, much larger conversation that really should have been being had and being addressed- not as a reaction, it should be proactive. Um, anyway, you know, I also agree with the fact that the rules are in place. 
prior to her doing the event. So it's hard, it's, it's hard for an organizer to kind of be like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to change the rules post ride. So I get that, but it's more like I feel like they, the organizer should have said, yep, okay, we've listened to you clearly. We might, we need to review our rules. Whether they change or not is, you know, a different story, but they should be reviewed. Um, anyway, I think it's, I mean, I mean, fuck, more people are talking about, about, about this sort of thing. So, I mean, maybe, you know. I mean, I think people just make their own decision, right? Yeah. Um, because if they don't recognize the record, they've just kind of made the existing record irrelevant to a lot of people, which makes their event like yeah, irrelevant. Irrelevant, which is maybe how they want it to be. I don't know. Um, end yeah, of the exactly. That's uh, kind of on them. Um, but yeah, I'd, it's, uh, it's it's a funny one, right? <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. Um, well, I mean, it's fu- It's not funny. <laughs> it's actually not funny. Like, because it's a it fickle one. That, yeah, it's just a, a strange one, and people get like super. Have you ever divided about it? Have you ever got heat? Um, I don't know. I'm, Disproportionate some, heat? I don't, not like she's gotten, which is also funny. Um, mm. Because like, I don't know why that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, people have, people have obviously brought that up. Um, but I really don't care because I know, like, like I've thought about it deeply enough myself to where I'm happy with how it is. Like, any record that I've had or whatever, how it stands, I'm confident with the way I approached it. Um, and like in my head, it made no difference in any of the, the things that I've done. Um, so I just don't really pay it any mind. I'm sure there's someone sitting out there or someone who would listen to this. And like, That's bullshit. Um, and fuck, whatever. <laughs> Like if that's yeah. <laughs> if that's how they want to think about yeah. it, then I don't care. Um, but I also know I've never gone in with that attitude of being like, I'm only here for a record. Do you know? Um, yeah. Because I think that's that's like the core of the issue, really. Um, so I I have a question on that actually, like, because let's say the Colorado Trail example. Yeah. Right. You went in wanting to at least be competitive. Like you went in wanting to go as hard as you can to essentially break the record, whether or not you were like well, no, heartbroken about getting it. I wasn't – I didn't plan on going for the record. But like, did you plan on going as hard as you could? Uh, yeah. Like I you wanted to sort going, of – yeah. Yeah. And to, to – with the experience I had, right, which was limited. So – knowing that based on my limited experience, I couldn't push as hard as I could in the domain where I have more experience. So like realizing that you're like, okay, in this situation, my skill set isn't what it is in another like discipline, for example. And this is when I was very new to mountain biking. So there was points when you were like, okay, like physically, yes, I could push through the night. Right? Is that a smart thing to do knowing that in this terrain, I've never been here, I don't know this trail, um, 
my skills at that point weren't what they are now. So I'm like, I could, I could hurt myself here. I don't like, so you taper it. Like, so you're going as hard as you can while kind of remaining safe in a way, um, which means going slower. So the fact that I slept two full nights was based on that inexperience, right? So like ultimately the ride was still as fast as I could have done it based on the skill set I had going in. Yeah, but I mean, sorry, the, the point I'm trying to kind of get at is like there is an element of, of, of wanting to go as fast as you can if that, if that brings the record. Yeah. Awesome. And it's sort of like partially a goal, but then there's something more to it than just that. Because I think like I think people as well, there's a thing about being like, well, I don't care about the record or like, you know, but it's like, well, why'd you go as hard as you could? Like there has to be something that's like, and I don't yeah, think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, but I've had this conversation with, um, you know, Brandon, who yeah. a mate of mine lives here in Boulder, works for Rafa. He's gone back to do the Colorado Trail three times and he tries to go faster every time. Um, but his rule is he just rides daylight hours basically. And... We were having this conversation about like where, what, what's his, why is he trying to go faster? What's he trying to prove? Like it's just to him. And then like about the next step of being like, all right, what if you just treat it as like, because essentially he's treating it as whatever, five, six different days on the mm-hmm. bike. When you yep. treat it as stage one single push, like as far as I'm, I'm just like, this is all one thing. The experience is very different. Like you got you, yeah. So yep, like, yep. it's not in in that pursuit of going quicker. The whole the whole experience changes as you treat it as one big like um, push, right? And then you kind of left with this one experience, which is vastly different than being like, okay, we're just going to push in. Like like say the the alt tour. The alt tour in my head is like eighteen different days. Yeah. Because I was doing that same thing, daylight hours. Um, but like the the ride to uh, Ukraine was this one monster, right? Um, and and the, the experience you have is very different. And, and some people are looking for that, some people aren't. Um, but you, <laughs> the, the single push humbles you a lot more. <laughs> I've in my experience so that's an interesting point actually and you've definitely highlighted something like you've highlighted a way of thinking about it that I hadn't because you're right the experience of going as hard as you can on something like that where it's a single push you turn something that's a five five sections into one section for example to, to use yeah. Brendan and your analogy Irrespective of the record, irrespective of if you're chasing the record, okay, the experience is, is so unique that it's worth doing that. It's worth going and, and having well, it's that. A, it's, you're testing without, yourself yeah. to the, because like when and you I do guess, it in that way, you, yeah. you kind of – there's so many – like if you're tackling it day at a time, um, it's much easier to control um, whereas when you – you put it into like one big effort. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. You're dealing with a lot of different 
elements and like for sure that yeah, becomes exactly. the the challenge yeah um, and and i guess i just hadn't separated the yeah. single push from i think it's like the idea of the idea of going as fast as you can like that mentality is different than chasing a record like, yeah, and and in particular when the experience is taking something that's multiple days, yeah, and kind of making it into one long, in making it into a week long, or you know, one segment. Because I've heard people like I think even Lael said it like she's like I don't care about the record, and I was like, well, but surely part of her must care about it because she 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 went as fast as she could. But that makes sense now the way that you're – well, sorry, it, it kind of unlocks a different perspective for me. And I was trying to work that out because I know like I know what she is like as a character and, and, and listening to her, like you know that she doesn't really care about it. But I was trying to work out like what is it that fires you up to do that and that's interesting. For some reason I just hadn't thought of it in that way. So that's – yeah, okay. That's unlocked something for me that was like annoying me. Because I was trying to trying to work out how to separate those two. Yeah, you have to just be honest, like with yourself, with that. Um, yeah, like because I mean, chasing the record's fine if that's yeah, what you it, want. It's fine. Well, yeah, it is. But I think you're. That's when it becomes a change of culture that's not necessarily a good one. Well, if you're chasing the record against everything else, yeah, you know, exactly. to your point about. If you just like, fucking, you don't even, you know, you go there, you just do the trail. There's, you get halfway through and you're like, oh, I got a flat tire, so I'm gonna lose fight. I'm out. Whatever, you know what I mean? Like whatever you're like, and you just bounce. Yeah. So yeah, I I understand that, but I mean, like in terms of a, the idea of competition, I don't think is toxic. No, uh, not at all. At a, at a at a fundamental level, there's obviously you know, versions of it. Um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, I had this thought the other day. <laughs> yeah, um, like because Unbound's the next big race, right? It's like the shifting culture idea, and that's a very competitive race now. Um, with like a legitimate, yeah, it's just like a road race on dirt field. Um, no, well, it's like I, I think it's becoming like um, it's like Kona. i had this realization i was like i was watching the way guys were preparing and like people optimizing aerodynamics and then like all the gear stuff and then it's like this one day of the year that can make your whole season it's totally it can make your whole career yeah people dine out on that race for years yeah it's like uh it's it's become uh kind of oh my god it totally is not i'm not saying i'm not saying that's a bad thing like it's just it's my observation of it right it's like um i feel that it's shifted a lot and i'm really excited to race it um mm-hmm. and it's still going to be a lot of fun um but it's just interesting that it's evolved in that way um and like it'll be interesting to see with gravel event i think it'll come down to courses as well as to where gravel racing goes a bit like yeah they, i agree because like you're talking about class mark or tracker sorry yeah it's 360 so 200 mile a little bit more yeah quite a bit more but 
and then essentially de- de- um, unbounds the same. Yep. And couldn't be more different courses by the sounds of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, very different. Um, and then you get like the tracks a whole um, different group of people. Not like, I mean, not entirely, but like it opens it up to a bunch of different groups of people, I think. Um, Because I think there needs to be an element that it's not just a uh, a battle of like fitness, right? Um, Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if we're going to use the Kona analogy, like I think in order for a sport to... It's sort of weird because like from a participation level, you know, I mean, I, I haven't thought about triathlon for a long time, but like there's a lot of people that participate in Ironman to like do the Ironman, but they're not necessarily like lifelong triathletes. They don't necessarily really get into like the professional circuit, right? They might follow like that. So in terms of like the longevity for a sport, um, on like a wider public scale from a spectator's point of view. You know, I think like fitness, like leaning towards the side of like who's the fittest as yeah. a form of entertainment versus like who's the most technically skilled. I think we've seen that, you know, you should lean towards the more technical side because yeah, or just a bit, that's a, bit a more... Both. I mean, like, yeah, there should be both for sure. But like, you know, I'm just trying to, you know what I'm yeah, trying yeah. to say is like in terms of engaging an audience that don't participate in the Currently. thing. Yeah, I think it's got to it's got to look <laughs> it's got to look it's got to look good. <laughs> yeah, and and kind of crazy and interesting. Yeah, it's not like it's not a criticism from me. I'm just it's no. just purely an observation. Like I like there was this guy there was this guy I didn't like a German guy who was racing on the the weekend at um, Tracker and we started and he was like, oh, no error bars, huh? Like like a real... <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh. No, this guy's got no idea. Yeah, I was like, I know this first 30K is very well and those error bars are just going to be getting in your way. But, <laughs> but um, also I didn't have any error bars. But um, <laughs> like, that's just funny. Like it's a... Like I, there's a sh- definite um, shift, I think, that you can see uh, happening, which um, I, I, I'm all for the progression of it. I just hope people still um, have fun, <laughs> mainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even <It's>, at the front. <laughs> were we talking about this last week or whenever we spoke last on this about how gravel racing i was talking with justin williams about this at um uh whatever the yeah sea otter uh, about like because he was obviously has his crit series and he's developing you know these the the like legion of la is a los angeles team right um and and they've got a team in miami and wherever else and how the sport is developing like this is the American, like he's creating and his vision and, and I think, well, the same thing I, and more prominently is happening with gravel, I think, uh, was more further progressed is is the idea of American cycling. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, like redefining we talking it about as this? its own thing. Yeah, separate to Europe. Like, yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we did talk about this, yeah. Yeah, which I think is like it's a great thing that's happening. Um, yeah, it is. It is a great thing. We definitely uh, did talk about this. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, <laughs> there's so many great like different events, right? We're just talking about an event, um, and in a lot of ways, I think maybe the fact that it is the physical challenge and like it does draw in a lot of people um, just to, to to see if they can complete the course, um, which is cool. Uh, I think it's on the it's all it's on the the races a little bit as to how we approach it so how are you approaching unbound um i'm approaching it in a way that i want to race at the front Mm -hmm. um and on the day i'll do whatever i have to do to race at the front um (laughs) but uh beyond that i'm just doing my regular thing um but i did do some intervals today (laughs) For the first time you in did? twelve months, <laughs> so um, how are they? Um, horrible, man. Uh, it's good funny numbers. I, good numbers are the power meter wasn't on, but uh, <laughs> I could feel the bre- I could feel the breath. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because like now you could feel the like the the vibe. The uh, uh, lifetime felt like Redlands used to. You know, like that first... It did, like, didn't it? Like that first race of the season, everyone's had this impossibly long off-season because like the, finish, right? the season finished in like, like August or eight something. eight months ago. Everyone's just been training. Um, the feeling at the first Lifetime Series felt like Redlands used to, right. um, which is like the first race of the season. It's still very serious. Um, not a bad... Like I, I, I love that race like red lines and that that atmosphere so it's cool but it shifts your um like mentality a little bit right because fully you kind of realize that you're like well to have fun at this now i'm gonna have to be going really fast <laughs> so, yeah i have to be good like i have to be specific yeah because otherwise i'm just going to be groveling the whole time yeah exactly um or well, i have to take it more seriously than um, I would have before. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the approach I'm taking to so you're doing intervals. Unbound. Um, is like, One month to the day out, you've done your first set of intervals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. I, for, for some reason, I thought when I came home here, I was like, oh, I've got like two and a half weeks of training. It'll be good. And then I was like, oh, wait, we go to Columbia in like 10 days or Dude, something or next weekend. Yeah. I know. I had that moment yesterday. I was like, "Hang on a second. When do we? When do we go? We yeah. need to get organized." I was like, "I don't really have that long to get ready." <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I'm I'm excited for it because it's going to be a big day, you know. Yeah, I love that idea. If it's like this big day out and like everyone's kind of like building up to this one big event, and there's a lot riding on it, and um, ultimately, like the the course will decide it. So. It's going to be fun. It's going to be super fun. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Like we shot we shot a, a film on it last year for Pinarello. But tracking, you know, tracking the race and kind of being there and being on the start line and there is – it did. It's a big day. It is a big day out. It's, it's a big kind day. of like 
It's kind of nice. It's kind of sick. Even though, like, even though the course is boring on a relative scale, you know, to look to look at, right? There is something kind of sick about that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, and the course is good. It's a no. It's a. It's still an engaging course, and like, I think it's changed again since I did it. I think, um, but like, it's still fun. Like, there's still uh, aspects of it that are technical or like there's a lot of mixed terrain in it um yeah enough to make it exciting just not enough to split it up from being still just like this huge massive bunch you know um which like it's just a different it makes it a very unique event which i guess is also what's cool about it is that like leadville in a way it's like uh there's uh different athletes who can have different attributes that will help them win they don't have to be the same right um, currently i think which is cool and we we're talking about that last last time as well like yeah creating creating space for like different skill sets or different yeah different skill sets to like you know simultaneously ex- excel is exciting yeah. Because it means yeah. that you know you're constantly going to be having a fresh dynamic. Um, interesting. I was going to say. Oh no, the thing that I love about the thing that that caught me last, which I'll be interested to see how that plays this year, is like you know how it's like you sort of have to you pull into like your little, your little service area. Yeah. And I know there was like controversy last year about I think men feeding women, um, but just like the, like. It's such a hilarious to me, like you're all in a group, you're all swapping off turns and then everyone gentlemanly or, you know, gentlewomanly like pull over and, and fill their biddens together and pour water over and then you sort of, the first one breaks and, and then everyone's like, shit, like fuck, I've only got half a bottle and but you have to kind of go. Yeah. And I just but, like the idea of someone coming in and just not stopping. Yeah. Well, that's what happened at the, at the tracker. The yeah, first right. aid station, we all stopped. And then we're like scrambling to like, because it was still a big group at that point, 40 or 50 people. Um, and when you're all trying to fill your shit up. Everyone's trying to fill up because in that race, you can't have your own pits crew. Like you just have- So it's just all- You have four aid stations and you get what is ever is there. And at one of the aid stations, you can put a bag, um, which I like that. Like That's cool. Yeah. Because uh, then it's like very fair. Um but the first aid station was 90Ks in and like everyone stopped to, like together but some people didn't keep going and then like I was trying to fill a bottle and then I kind of looked around and I, was, I saw Mateo was gone and I was like, eh, I'm just going to go. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I think and then I was chasing full speed and by the time I caught them at the front, they were all just like going, you know. Yeah, right. And they like planned it. Yeah, and I was like, well, I don't understand the the etiquette here. Like I, I know that there's like in the States everyone kind of waits, but then at what point do you all – At some point not? you have to break So it. then like in the next aid stations I could have been in and out, but Matia needed to stop for probably another two minutes at each one. And so we waited together because we were kind of – at that point I think neither of us wanted to try and like win by – leaving an aid station leaving early. Sl- I mean, but um, it would be funny like, though if you just kept leaving like a little bit earlier than him. 
Yeah. And he's annoying. always just catching up and you just like let him catch you and then you just pretend like nothing was weird. And also you yeah. pretend like you was you you weren't waiting. But the th- the thing I don't get weren't. is like um like there it's like okay, all bets are off. But like if someone gets a flat, okay, that's not like we're we're not waiting, right? Like and then yeah. Some people are like, yes, we're going to use air bars. Some people are not. We're not just like, let's just make a blanket rule. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think like with the, the aid station thing, it's like, well, some people can go fast by not stopping, right? Like when I did Badlands, I stopped, I don't know, for like half an hour in two days or something. Like that's part yeah, of right. the ability. So, you know, so like I don't, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Because it's like everyone waits until they don't, you know. If I stop for five minutes, everyone's gone. So (laughs) they need to have bubbler cam. They need to have like a sick wide angle bubbler cam that's just a live stream. And it's like each of the stations when they come in, they just cut to bubbler cam. And it's like above, and everyone's filling their bottles, and you can see the people who decide not to stop and like the stress on everyone's faces. Yeah. (laughs) Is there like, oh, Christ. I was thinking about the other day, like, imagine if they did. like a world tour race mm. that was self-supported in a fashion. Like, so like you get your two bottles, you can start with as much water as you want and maybe there's like aid stations, same For way sure, you yeah. do it. So like, yeah. but you can't take a bottle from a teammate. If you get mechanicals, you have to fix them yourself. Um, you can't take a bottle it's from funny a teammate. Because it's an interesting one. It would really add just this wild dynamic to racing. Like if someone runs out of water, like they drop their bottle, right? Like for sure. And- I mean, maybe that's a way. Maybe that's a way to solve for how dangerous racing has become now. Yeah, and People also will be like-, like if you like if you lose your water, if you drop a bottle and you'd be like, okay, I'm not gonna fucking send it. But then you would also get corner. like, like I think um, products that cross over to the average consumer better. You know, because you couldn't run to oh, super yeah. light tires. That's for a example, nice perspective. Like, the, yeah, uh, if like you got a flat could be. Yeah. And you couldn't just be like slamming like a 90 gram carbohydrate bottle every <laughs> 20 minutes. 20 minutes. you got like someone standing there, you know, like you would have to think about these things. Um, yeah. It would make it more it real just, world for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I, it, I would be interested to just like. See a race, like how it would unfold. What's that? I think it would be that really Breton race. Super exciting. Because the other thing what's you realize is what's like, the pig race? The witch? The pig race? Oh, yeah, Trobro. Trobro. They should do it. I feel like they're Yeah, road. yeah, exactly. They should do it. Well, and there's this thing that I don't know if they're allowed Let's petition to. petition Trobo. You know, like. The, oh, because it's UCI. The cool thing about like a lot of these different events is they all have their own set of rules, right? Like, so. That is cool. You can say, all right. It's like horse racing. Right. Yeah. So it's like a lot of them, it's like, okay, you're like, so you go from like totally self-supported, right? To like, okay, there's no aid stations. Mm -hmm. You can only get things that are available on the route. You can't pre-plan anything. Some of them are like, okay, there's aid stations, but you just get what's in the aid station and you can't have any other help. Some are like, all right, you can share. If someone's got a flat, you can give them a tube or like you can have a crew in certain spots and then all the way through to like um, just fully supported where it's like you have like 
two cars that are going on the course between feed zones and then feed zones and then you have two cars behind with bikes, everything, uh, DS, like the whole the whole shebang. Um, so it's it would be cool if like not every road race had the same set of rules. <laughs> you know that would be cool because it would add like and then I'm like oh does that just make it more confusing it would add character but like I don't know it's like how there's that one soccer field or maybe there's like maybe it's more than one I know fuck all about soccer but there's like that one soccer field that's longer than all the others and wider <laughs> like in the Premier League well I didn't know and it's like it's just because that's the stadium and you go there and it's like oh you're on the big pitch now well, I didn't know stadium soccer pitches and that would change the game around it what do you mean rounded? That's like what concave I, I, I or like on convex, the, like I sat on the plane to Sea Otter. I, don't know, I might have said this um, next to uh, a lady who was used to be on the national um, U.S. soccer team. Oh, you were telling me independent of the okay. pod, and we were talking, and she was talking about like different styles of play for different countries, uh, similar to to bike racing and that like racing in the US is a different thing to racing in Europe is a different thing to racing in Asia like the style of racing is different she was talking about the style of play and then like she was t- she was telling me on the like the big stadium pitches they're like kind of rounded like this well that makes sense for water runoff yeah exactly right so like and I've seen photos now that you say that I've seen photos yeah if you're on one wing and you're looking at the person on the other wing you can't see their feet like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, I've seen like such a, I've seen like telephoto shots like that. Yeah. Also, did you see? Did you see? That is weird. Did you see the fake um, marina for the the Miami F one this weekend? No, fake marina. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a fake marina in the, but it's also I think the water is also fake. <laughs> it just looks like. What? Yeah, you got to look it up. That's um, the most. That's the most Miami thing. I'm gonna look this shit up. <laughs> no. Also, how long have they had a Grand Prix in Miami? Is this the first? I think year? it's the first one. I think because um, it was right. That because I've never heard of it before. There's the Austin one. There was a Austin. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're still having that, but yeah, I'm it was excited. Ostentatious like, Grand Prix, they called it. I haven't been able to watch any um, like live F1 this year, so I'm gonna watch that. Neither have I. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah, of course. It's in America. Yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hamilton's getting uh, doers this year. That's sort of... That's yeah, nice. the Mercedes is slow. Right? Because they changed all the cars. Yeah. Interesting. The Giro started today. Yeah, I know, on a Friday. That's weird, right? Yeah, I haven't... I only saw... I saw, like, the the the... Guys had raced. They haven't actually looked at it. Um, yeah, I was just looking at the results before. Who's the big favorite for the Giro? So, good. Okay, I was having this discussion yesterday. I forgot about the Giro, and then I was like looking at the start list, and there's Richard Carapaz, Tom Dumoulin, yeah, Lopez, two winners, McCarthy, yep. Who's the other winner? Joya uh, Dumoulin and, and Carapaz. Um, Bardet. Oh, yeah. 
<clears throat> and then a few other of those sort of new crop that I'm not super familiar right. with. Um, so not like a big favourite. Oh, Yates probably. No, exactly. Yates going. Well, I didn't see him in the... Let me look. I'm sure but one of the Yates will be doing it. Surely, yeah. Um, but Vanderpoel won and it was an uphill sprint. Oh, really? I'm ruining it for you, but I just want to talk about this. Um, it was like an uphill finish and Carapaz was like six. You know how I... I always feel like the That's first, the sign. even it's like a little baby uphill, totally the sign, right? Yeah. Remember when Cadell won that stage? Exactly. When he won the Exactly. Tour. And like Lance used to do it. Yeah. And like, and then even, I it, think actually, of like remember Pogacar, when, uh, also when guys. Nibali won the stage, when he won the tour. Exactly. It's like, exactly on that. They just, it was the they're same doing climb. something that's like yeah. a little bit out of the wheelhouse. And you're like, man, they must just have some condition. They must be on. <laughs> right, because Nibali won that stage and just sm- smoked that Yeah, tour. solo, I think. Yeah, he did. I remember. So with that in mind, Richard Ka- – oh, Wilco Kelderman. Is he good? He's yeah. pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, Richard Carapaz was fifth – no, sixth today. Wow. Uh, and was the first of – and then everyone else was like Bardet, 20th, Mikel Lander is there, Simon Yates, Tom DeMoulin. All of those four were, were along, alongside each other. Speaking of Lander. Nibali was there, so. Did you mm-hmm. watch um, Liège? No. Man, Lander was... Did I watch Liège? Lander was insane. I did watch it. I feel like he... I mean, was Evan Pohl was obviously the best, but I feel like Lander was watch the it, next yeah. best, but he was just like... Attacking himself. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> he was just like counter-attacking himself. He'd, he'd like set himself up with the easy attack and they'd be like, no, this is the real one. No, this is the real one. Everyone behind was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, right. Well, maybe he'll be good. I want him. I like him. Yeah, me too. I think. Remember he was, he was amazing on um, Astana at the Giro? Yeah, Astana. And yeah, I think it was when crazy Aru aggressive. Um, That's right. And then at the Aru's tour, teammate. when was it when Froome won or when Thomas won? I can't remember. Thomas, I think. Right, but he was like that guy who like kind of won the crowd over because there was like that little degree of like, what if you know, what if he could just fly yeah. free? And then ever since he's had that chance, I just he hasn't he hasn't he's, quite been as good as he was. Um, Agree, that year or that year on Astana, yeah, which I mean, it seems like, like maybe now he's kind of hit that form. If Liège is anything to go off, he was wild. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is, is he's he. The thing is that he's got the rogue, like he's got the rogue of the kind of second second card, right? Like yeah. he's like got the rogue nature of uh, where he just like throws absolutely everything out the window to just. And if it works, it works. He goes all in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Whereas that doesn't suit a leader. You can't get away with that if you're the leader. Yeah. You know, you can't like lose ten minutes and then hope to make. And it can also back. just be the style you like to ride, right? Like, Fully. there's a lot of people who, when you put a whole team behind them and then try and ride at the front all the time, and like, um, it doesn't work. It just that doesn't suit their characteristics, like physically and mentally. Um, because it's like there is now yeah. like a very 
clear-cut way to approach like being a GC captain and some people can adjust to it well um, and some people can't. Some people can't. Yeah. But I think Hugh could That's do a good duo. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, me too. I um, hope so. I mean, it's a good opportunity for, like in terms of of like who's there. Yeah. You know, there's nobody better than him. Yeah. In terms of going up a going up a hill. Exactly. Um so, you know, he might be good to see him. I mean, he's come third before at a Grand Tour, hasn't he? Yeah, at the at the Vuelta a couple of years ago. Won the Angrelou stage. That's right. Um and it's crazy that when you think of like, it's mind blowing to to imagine trying to ride GC in like a, a Grand Tour, and then also on top of that, like the Giro. There's so many pitfalls, <laughs> you know. There's there's so <laughs> many ways to lose that race um, that like, it's it must be so stressful, you know, because like the long stages, there's wet descents, like the. Like even the transfers, like managing your recovery, trying to stay healthy, like there's so many different ways to lose that like it must be so hard to have that mentality and still be trying to win, if that makes sense. Like you're kind of yeah. playing this defensive. Still like, maintain the energy. To- most of the time to then have to switch on at certain moments to try and win. Um, I'm just like in awe of those guys. Like the the mental resilience is in insane yeah i mean and then and then you think you think about that like off the back of the psycho like strict training regime they've been running yeah as well true like you've just been doing this hardcore program and then you get to the start of the race and like oh now it actually begins yeah 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 (laughs) all this time like i always preparing and waiting yeah and then like, could you imagine, right? Like, because in some ways it's like, yeah, there's a lot of ways to lose, but there's a lot of time to ride yourself in. And like, could you imagine preparing like for, like when the kilo or something used to be in the Olympics or like a swimmer, like a 50 meter swimmer who's right. like preparing for four years. Even Popinov. Yeah, and then it's like, It'd be so hard. I used to find like, I don't know if you found this, like track racing, like it felt like the same thing. You go to do a pursuit, like drive to Dunkray and then you'd start the race and it was almost like like out of body, like surreal because you're like, you're just kind of doing this thing that you're like, oh wow, now it's suddenly happening. And like, it's, it was almost hard to focus on just doing it because like the moment was big. Um, yeah. And like which is what makes like, Sometimes it would work really well, right? Like you would just pull out this amazing ride and, and you're like, wow, I felt like I was just like watching myself. But um other times. Uh, other times you're just like a mess, like cuz you're not really focusing on doing things right, <laughs> you know? I would always yeah, I would always like start and then I'd be like a few pedal strokes in and I'm like, wait, how do I bend my knees again? Right. And I'd be like and then you'd be like Wait, do I go straight back? Like, how do I use my glutes <laughs> yeah, again? Yeah. Like, and I would just ha- like, and then, and then, and then, and you finished having those thoughts, and you're like not even into the first turn yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then you're like, do I turn the handlebars or does the bike just yeah, go yeah. automatically around? Well, no, you and know, then like, like all these, like you're just having these like- It's so short that you're like- Ridiculous amount of thought. Am I going as hard as I can go? You're like, I, I feel like I'm going <laughs> as hard as I can go, but is this as hard as I can go? You know, you're like, I push it. Like right. in, in those efforts that are so short that like when the fatigue comes, it comes like in a wave, right? Like- Yeah, and you kind of, fin- you've already finished it. Like what does a hundred meter Almost. feel like for like those sprinters? You're like, when they're sprinting, <laughs> it's like in, in my head I would constantly be going am I going as hard as I can go you know like basically like you're still trying to perform a function but just like basically flex as hard as you can at the same time it's really like right. such a strange it's, effort it is a really strange effort and like it's so precise that you can't think about it yeah like, like you couldn't, like you've got to have like just gone right through the eye of that fucking needle and out the other side of it into the world of like sublime intuition. Yeah, and you have so much like repetition Practice. and just yeah. like muscle memory and you just, you just trust that your body knows what to do more than anything. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you exa- exactly. And like, which is a fascinating, like there is something really fascinating about that because like the technique is so important. Yeah. It would be fun. It would be fun not to do it, but it would be fun to like be involved in the coaching of an athlete yeah. like that. I think that's why I always- Like th- I feel like like the biomechanics and that would be really fascinating. Yeah. It's, a, it's why like I think when you see like those athletes who are training really short duration events, like the training seems like alien. Do you know like- Fully. There's so much like, like, there's so many drills and just like they'll do like, you know, practice on like the first 10 meters over and over. And like, it's funny because yeah, in, exactly. in endurance it sport, and- it's kind of you just throw, I don't know, everything at it. And there's very, I mean, like, there's obviously skills and whatever, but there's so much that just comes down to pure fitness. Um yeah, that like that just in terms of where what's worth any any of your time, like fitness is just the gains to be made are so much greater that it's just like whatever. Yeah, stuff. When they're looking for like fractions of a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is like there's something really I can see like thinking about the Olympic Games and why they exist, I can totally see why like that's an event, like the 100-meter sprint and like discus throwing. Right. Or like shot put. You know, it's just like how far can you throw it's a so thing? It's so pure. Yeah, you just pick it up and you throw it. And, and Yeah. You know, there's no like – like you can never get to the end of like shot put and be like, oh, well, I rolled my ankle like – at kilometer 50, it's just like, well, did you throw it or not? Right. <laughs> you know, like were you standing in front of the line or up behind the line? Like like before yeah. or after the line? <laughs> well, and, and it's uh, also like- So there is, yeah. It's like a, a skill that the majority of people could perform, you know, like yeah. or can relate to like trying to do, right? Like everyone ran the 100 meters at, at high school or primary school. They should have had an event where it's like jump off the highest thing. Oh, they do. Like who can jump off the highest thing onto the ground? Oh, onto the ground. What, without breaking? Yeah, and so it's like, 
Because you know, like, like when a you're reverse, a kid, you get like a high. reverse high jump. Yeah, the exactly. down jump. It's it's a high drop. High <laughs> drop. Uh, <laughs> I'm an exceptional high drop athlete. Did you have you seen how like, high can you drop? We, uh, Rachel and I were in um, Park City last year, and for like a mountain bike race, and I wanted to show her the um, like the ski jump. Oh yeah! So we drove up there because like those, steep, those things they? are crazy. Like, so we drove up there, and then at the like ski jump facility, they were having like diving because it was the middle of summer. And um, I was like, "Oh, there's a diving competition on." And I, like, then I, re- I was like, "We're still quite far away," and like, that's a big platform. And then we got there and realized it was like high diving. I think it was oh, so the twenty-seven meters, the platform. Like that's high enough that like the wind can blow you off course. Dude, it was so scary to watch. Like so scary. And were they doing flips? Yeah, they do flips and stuff. I feel like from that altitude, if you, like if you just tried to straight dive or straight jump, like it'd be harder. It would you would get way more fucked up than than spinning. Like moving. Because right. like the wind would, you know, like it would don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like someone who just like the ultimate, the ultimate high dive is no flips, <laughs> and it's just a dive. It's just a perfect swan dive from thirty meters. Oh god, <laughs> it would look amazing. That's and then horrifying. you fuck, yeah, and you just hit your back. But like they obviously came up with this because it, it was like a whole, it's a whole series, like a whole um, league of diving. This high diving, I want to say, oh, it's twenty seven meters. Extraordinary high divers. But like, how did they come up with that height? Did they, did they go to 28 and they were just like, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Everyone was over rotating. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like dad. the marathon. Maybe it was like the mythical waters of Sparta or something. Oh, yeah. Like the ancient Greek. Maybe there was a there platform was like a rock. that the original high dive was off and it was that height. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, like the marathon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we could look it up, but um, <laughs> there's no way to find out. Leave that. There's no way to. <laughs> there know. is no way to find. <laughs> they didn't document history. Um. All right. There's been some questions from people on the cord. Oh, on the Discord. Yes. On the disc. Great. Uh. Fucking can't find it. Do you have your phone? Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Wait, I. Do you want to read them out? Or What's like- the service station snack of choice in various countries? Um, in various countries. Okay. I know in in the US is definitely for me a payday. Um, in, in Europe, um, I like to get Sometimes I just get like most of the gas stations have um, bread. Like they bake bread there. <laughs> um, oh, really? So you just get fresh bread? Yeah, I get bread and sometimes I get like a Radler, which is like the – or like a Clara. Like a – it's like half oh, yeah. beer, half um, half like lift. Lemonade Fanta. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then in Australia, you don't go because it's just too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, in Australia, it's like a seven dollars Snickers. <laughs> yeah. 
So you just don't go, you just go hungry. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I used to like getting the double the double uh, Mars bar. The double what? What about you know the Mars bar where there was two Mar- there was two little mini bars in there? Oh, yeah. Or the bounty. Oh actually, bounty. do you know what? Australia, the bounty. Yeah, right. What about Cherry Wright? No. Bounty only. Um Cherry Ripes are pretty cherry ripes are kinda interesting, I guess. Yeah. They're kind of sexy. Like well, the I just red, think it's because they're like, like velvet red. Yeah. And remember at school everyone was always like, oh, they've got alcohol in them. <laughs> remember? Like trace really? amounts of alcohol. Oh, trace amounts, yeah. You're like, oh, fermented cherries. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're just making Pruno out of uh <laughs> out of cherry ripe. <laughs> Uh, okay. Right, what else we got? As a pro, what's your relationship with food and how has it evolved over the course of your career? Um, that's a good one. It was, that is a good uh, one. I, I tell you what, it was really, um, I hadn't thought about it until last week um, with the uh, Armani team. And like normally when you have a whole group of um, cyclists together, like preparing for a race, there's a real like awareness around food, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like yep, everyone's yep, yep. very... And it's like a... Com- everyone talks about it. Yeah, everyone's just yeah. conscious and like um, I think like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a strange thing. Whereas like with the group last week, there's none of that and it's really like um, refreshing, you know, like they're just training hard. That's interesting. Eating a lot and like... Um, not thinking about not it. Not thinking about it. And they're all generally healthy, skinny, fit guys, <laughs> you know? Um, right, right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that, like, I think in the bunch, it's changed a bit in the last few years. There was like a period where, like, um, everyone was like very like um, low carb and trying to like be as skinny as possible. Like, I feel like it was like the start of the sky era. Um, yeah and then it's changed a lot over the last years to like trying to eat as much as you can when you're racing like and training you got to be able to hold more food and like I think that's been like a healthy interesting shift um, but that being said I think like at the top level it's always coming down to power to weight so there's always going to be that like awareness um, I think for me in particular um like I was much more aware of it when I was uh, younger Um, and like weight is one of those things you could like have try and have control over so it comes into that like obsessive yeah Um, whereas like when I kind of shifted my like mentality away from that I don't like weigh myself anymore um, because I know that that's like can become a number that like I will focus on. Um, Fixate on, yeah. So I just don't like weigh myself and I basically just, um, yeah, I don't restrict my diet in any way anymore. Um, Like which I think when you stop restricting your diet, you kind of just (laughs) self-regulate, you know, Um, because – and I mean, are you particularly focused on eating quality foods when you say like you're still focused on the, 
eating well when you say unrestricted or is it just like, you know, you, you're very much like whatever. I'll, um, I'll just eat a burger. Yeah, kind of whatever. Um, I think yeah. like I don't like enjoy eating like um, food that's like bad for you all the time because I don't like the way it makes me feel. But if I do feel like eating something, I'm never like not going to eat it because I think I shouldn't, you know. Um, yeah. Yep. So like, yeah, I, I mean a lot of what I eat now is dictated by what um, – like Rachel feels like eating and then I just kind of eat the same thing. <laughs> and then when I'm out riding, I just eat absolute garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, just so, whatever you can fit down the hatch. Yeah. I would say like that relationship has shifted. Um, and But for, for good, you know. I find that to be like the hardest, not the hardest, one of the difficult things to deal with in like a very professional environment is that um, – like kind of I'm not saying it's not an unhealthy it's just a a real awareness and like it's tangible and it makes like um, anything based around eating like a little bit less enjoyable Um, but I I guess that's part of the the game as like a very top level athlete is being very aware of what you're putting in your body but um yeah, not so much for me. Uh, how do you handle moments of zero motivation? Um, I don't really have that too much anymore. Um, I'm trying, like, That's I kind of train now to to motivation in a way. Um, so when I feel like just riding all day, like I do, and then um, if I don't feel like like riding that much I, I don't like force myself to get out there um but generally my motivation is like pretty strong but i think that comes from like the style of riding i do um it's more based around like not like training necessarily but more like going to certain places or riding certain roads or trails that um motivate me so i don't really have like zero motivation times that much anymore um which is good i mean i don't know about you like that's in that's kind of crazy yeah that you don't i don't know i'm just like blows my mind (laughs) yeah you're doing the thing that you're meant to be doing which is good it's good in a good way yeah um like yeah i i i when I was younger, um, I think I had periods of low motivation. Um, and the mistake mm. I think I made was trying to force it in those moments um, instead of just stepping back and either waiting till the motivation comes or trying to like identify why you have low, low motivation. Um, right. I feel like I was very much like that. I would, I would feel almost shame. Yeah. When I wasn't motivated, I would sort of think like, well, what's wrong with me? Like why why yeah. don't I want to do this? Like it's some sort of weakness. Today. Yeah. I think yeah. it's it's usually yeah. like your body Same with trying to tell you something. Well. Or like something in your For situation sure. that is um like either like taking energy away from that or like something you need to address. I don't know. Um 
But I would say if yeah. the motivation is not there, you're better off just waiting until it is um, before you like force it, you know, as opposed to spending the day thinking, oh, man, like I should really get out today like and then finally not but you've wasted the whole day like kind of making yourself feel bad about it instead of just like waking up being like, you know what, I'm not feeling it um, and then just spending the day doing something totally different. You know, so then the, the next day you're like, oh, wait, I'm glad I can get out my bike. Um, or, yeah, all right, okay, I have two questions for you. Yeah. First question, one which relates to these two questions, like with, with regards to food, what would be like a one, you only get to give one piece of advice, what would that be, you know, to whom, to like this crew of people that are asking these questions? What would your kind of one sort of relatively blanket piece of advice be for food, with regards to food and, and with regards writing? to food? Um, yeah, I think like the focus. Um, I think where you, you make the mistake is like trying to take the the shortcut in a way of being like, okay, I need to be lighter to be faster, right? Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to just focusing on the riding and like fueling the riding well um, and then letting the weight like take care of itself. Um, I think that's like a mistake to like the, the focus should always be on the riding and being fueled well for that right. riding and f- as opposed to being like focused on the, the riding as either a way to like lose the weight or, or, to enable eating more food. I don't know, just like the, yeah, the food yeah. should be a secondary thing and it should absolutely be something you'd like enjoy um, because like, I don't know, cooking a meal and sitting down and eating it with people is like one of the nicest things you can do. Um, so totally, it's important to like preserve that. Um, and I think like you can always take a lot of lessons from people who are just – I think the like the best lessons you can take from food are just from regular non-athletes and watching the way they approach food, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, which is to say that like when they're hungry, they eat. When they're not hungry, they don't eat. And then, um, you know, when they, they don't mind if they crave something, like there shouldn't be Isn't like, it funny? guilt. Um, Isn't it funny like you spend so many years in the head of an athlete and surrounded by athletes and then you go and hang out with people who aren't athletes and like the way they behave like you watch you kind of watch them and you're like you're doing what yeah sure you just like you and like it's so it took it took me a while to like adjust more so like first time around when i stopped racing like yeah you're just like oh you can live like this (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like it's it's weird to think about like how mind blowing that was. Like it shouldn't be mind blowing, and you just it just blows your mind. You're like, what? <laughs> um, which is yeah. Okay, second question then, relating to the second question <laughs> that uh, these people asked. One piece of advice um, to handle like m- motivation, like or like not motivation, approach to training uh, in a very general sense. 
Yeah, that's like a that's a that's a broad topic. I think um, for me, well, like, let's talk about like approach to getting out the door. Yeah, I think like um, identifying the things you enjoy most about writing and including those on every ride um, is important. That's a like really good piece of advice. Um, because if you're ever going out on a ride through like pure obligation or like your motivation is because, I don't know, um, you think like purely on the other side it's going to be better. I, I don't know. The the motivation should come yeah. from the ride itself and something on that ride that you know you're going to enjoy um, because that's like the surefire way to just have consistent motivation and build on it. Like there should be an element of like play if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean that's a simple – Logic. Yeah, uh, that's, that's actually. I've, I honestly can say that I never thought about a bike ride in that way, <laughs> except for maybe some bike tours. But I straight up training that would have it would have never occurred to me to think like that. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely <laughs> a time when, like, for me, it was the same, right? Um, right. But yeah, I think um, that's like central to what I do now, and it's. Um, it makes me enjoy it just like so much more, right? And I think that's why like my motivation doesn't wane because I'm just like itching yeah, to get out there and, and have makes fun sense. again. Um, yeah. And because you've been focusing on the things that are fun, it makes the rides fun and so the overall experience is fun. So then the next time you're like, wow, that was fun. So you want to yeah, exactly. go and have some more fun and so you go back out. It's like a self-perpetuating yeah, it's and like then a self like perpetuating because you're positive about engine. it, it's like you find that the training you kind of do is better anyway. Um, because like for sure, you're well, in I mean, positive mindset and like exactly you want to push the psychology so. of that is 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 interesting. Yeah, you know, like even just like adaptation, like the way in which your body like responds physiologically. Yeah. When you're in a positive headspace versus a negative headspace is 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 remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about this question? What have you read, watched, or listened to recently that you've enjoyed? Oh man. I'll let you take that one. All right. Uh read. I don't know if a lot of news. Watched. Okay. What about okay? I watched for the first time um, the movie Alien. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how I'd never seen that before. I'd seen like Prometheus, the more modern, but I've never seen the original. Like Ridley Scott, Geiger, like damn. I don't think I've seen it's that. a re- it's amazing, dude. You should watch it. Yeah, right. It's like Ridley Scott at his best. Huh. You know, like that real minimalist. Yeah. You know, and anyway, it's really good. So I, I watched that. I watched this other movie with, do you know Riz Ahmed? No. He's like an actor. Anyway, it's called Mogul. You should watch it actually. It's called Mogul Mowgli. Yeah. And it's about like a ra- a rapper who gets this um, neurological condition. Oh. Uh, and, and they can like, there's like an experimental cure but it will make him impotent yeah I've and heard. it's sort of like this struggle with identity uh and with his cultural roots and cultural identity and family yeah. and then this idea of pursuing 
of pursuing fame as a rapper and sort of leaving that behind but whilst also lifting himself up by it's really good uh and particularly too like it's the first feature um i wrote the guy's name down basam tarif uh inspiring like very yeah very beautifully told very simply shot and the approach you know it's not it's not epic in scale by any means which is you know all the more kudos to him so i love that and then listening to i've been on a rap kick oh yeah recently the new pusha t yeah new asap rocky yeah and vince staples nice what do you, what are your thoughts on new pusha t have you listened uh yeah it's good it's really good it is good it's kind yeah, of I like think it's good too uh, more old school hip hop isn't it like the sound is very it's yeah. good um i've been listening to some um kenyan rap this last week oh really yeah and um rex from uh from the boys from the boys the armani boys yeah um yeah and it's sweet if you if you got the chance to listen to a bit of Kenyan rap uh, you should i also watched um licorice pizza on the plane yesterday I liked licorice pizza. I thought it was great. Um, like the yeah. the feeling was really nice. Like it just kind of had like a, a right? really. I, li- I just like movies a that nice like warmth. put you in the place really well, and like the era, right? Um, yeah, and like they're not they're not like uh, egregiously dramatic. Like you can see that playing out, and you can understand. I mean, there are like the scenarios that. Um, they find themselves here in, you know, yeah. uh, are interesting, but like, it's not like, it's not a heightened sense of drama. No, it's just kind of, it's like character driven, you know, just like. Yeah, exactly. Which I, I really like. Um, and then I watched a Norwegian yeah. film called, I think it's called The Worst Person in the World. I think it was called. Oh, that's brilliant. It was so good. Did you like that? It was so it's, good. It's incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. She just won. Uh, best actress at can really I can't think of her name right, I just kind of like, stumbled yeah, like, on it and then I nearly cried again um, right yeah it's incredible that that opening like the epilogue because it's, yeah. you know, it's broken into 11 chapters or whatever the epilogue just captured because it's talking about someone who's our age essentially right yeah. like early 30s and having this kind of like quarter life crisis essentially but they've yeah. like done all of this it's not you know and it was like so many things that you're watching and you're like, fuck me, I've done that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've thought that way. Like even the bur- like the sequence with the burner phone. Yeah. Like I have fucking four burner phones because I go through this phase of like, I'm getting rid of my iPhone, buy the $20 <laughs> burner phone, don't ever use it. And then like six months later, I'm like, I'm getting a burner phone and I buy a fucking burner phone, never even use it. And then they somehow end up in the same drawer whenever I like move and I like, and I'm like, what? I've got four brand spanking new burner phones, Nokia's, all the same model. Uh, like, yeah, I, yeah, I loved that film. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really um, good. And then the heartbreaking, the, the conversation when they're at the picnic table and he's like talking about his life. Yeah. Right, and like reflecting on his work. and Yeah, that's and where like, I, that got me questioning whether it means anything i watched it alone at the cinema uh and i was same thing 
I was really close to the screen. I was like in the front row and I was like, Christ almighty. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's a good film. Um, worth really, a watch really, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, worst person in the world. That is what it's called, um, isn't it? Worst person in the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joachim uh, Trier, I think is his name, who directed that. Um, well, nice one, man. I think that's any. I mean, that's all of the questions from the fans. Sweet. Um, and then I don't really know what else. What else is? Uh, what else is going down? Well, what's going down is we're going to Colombia next week. So I know. We're going to be coming live on the six, from Colombia. In 10 days. We are. I'm excited. I'm going to come home on maybe next week. Nice. I think we have to shoot. We have a shoot for a day. But um, but in, in Boulder, I think. So, great. yeah, I'll be back next week at some point. Great, great. Very nice. All right. Well. Good to catch up. Been a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure is mine. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. Nice. See you next week. This week's episode was produced by Lachlan and I, executive produced by Isaac Carson and Abby Levine, mixed by Ben Cranell. As I said before, your support has been overwhelming. So thank you so, so much. Any information, whatever else, reach out to us on Instagram uh, at here or thereabouts. Shoot us an email, whatever. All right, until next time, take it easy. Listener.